0: This season, the Old Gold Club and Wolves TV Matchday Live are powered by Blythe Group. An industry-leading construction company and family-run business since 1982, driving investment and infrastructure across the UK. Blythe Group's mission is to provide an unrivaled service based on innovative, bespoke building solutions and comprehensive customer support. If you're a skilled tradesperson and you want to join the team that powers our team, contact their bases in Wolverhampton, Manchester or Maidenhead via theblythgroup.co.uk. Blyth Group. Group, Big enough to deliver, small enough to care. The Old Gold Club. Powered by Blyth Group. Official partner of Wolverhampton Wanderers. So hello there, welcome along to uh, Old Gold Club, my golden game. I'm Mikey Burrows and with me for this episode is the man that we refer to as the King. Hello John Richards. Hi Mikey, how are you doing? I'm very well. How are you at this moment in time? Fantastic. I've never done so much gardening
1: in my life. (laughs) Uh, I could spot a weed from 10 yards so uh, I think I'm getting a a little bit stir crazy to be perfectly honest but... I'm probably as fit as I've been for years. I've been doing a lot of walking like a lot of people uh and just, you know, tramping the uh, the roads and the paths and trying to keep myself uh,
0: reasonably fit and healthy. It's that but, weird thing, isn't it, of like kind of rethinking some of the things that you do in your everyday life, I guess, and and taking stock.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's it I think you know, there's there's a lot of negative things with this pandemic, obviously, but at the same time, I think a lot of people will take out a lot of positives with the way they actually manage their own lives and actually, you know, what they see as important. And suddenly, you know, more people are making contact with each other, either by phone or whatever. And suddenly it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of good things going on out there a lot of kindness and uh, it's nice to sort of uh, look at the positives rather than the uh, a lot of the negatives that are around at the moment
0: well it gives you time to think about things and especially when people like me contact you and and ask you to to think through 487 appearances and try and pick one out well that
1: was the difficulty uh, because you know when people ask me about games and you, you automatically go to the obvious ones with, uh, or your debut or the league cup finals or the semi-finals, So it was, um, I didn't want to sort of go to those. I wanted to think of something a little bit different. Um, and th- there was one game in particular, Mikey, which, you know, suddenly sparked me into life with regard to, uh, You know, it being a a proper competitive match. Um and that was when we when we were drawn against Juventus Mm -hmm. in the quarterfinals of the UEFA Cup. Um it was an interesting one because you know we were you know we were we were a mixed team with from the point of age, there was people like myself, Kenny Hibbett, John McCall, um people like Alan Sunderland around, Steve Daly. You know, Kenny and I were just 21. John had just turned 22. Um, that was the first 1971-72 season. Was really my first um, full season as a recognised member of the first team, and we'd played against um, three teams in the in, in the lead up to that quarterfinals. Teams like um, visiting Portugal, Holland, and East Germany. And to be honest, those those t- three teams, Coimbra, uh, Den Haag, and um, Carl Zeiss you know, were all right. You know, but you know, were sort of games you just took in your stride. But suddenly, you know, the quarterfinals, we got Juventus, one of the biggest teams in Europe, and suddenly, as a twenty-one-year-old, you realised you were actually this is what this is what the game was all about. You know you, you, this is what you wanted the opportunity to play against teams of that standard with
0: players of that quality. Because okay, so obviously, modern fans look at and Juventus have got a new stadium these days. Would they have been, was it the Stadio degli Alpi? Was it that's right? Played in?
1: Yeah, that's right. And um, you know, it was. You know, all I can remember about the the stadium itself was that you know just the noise and and the passion of the fans and the build up to it. Nothing like the other three games which we'd had. Uh, you know this was this was Juventus. This was the team that was the top of the Italian league at the time, and they went on to win the league that season and the following season with some of the some of the world's best players. You know you got. Anastasia up front. You'd got um, Helmut Haller, the um, the German international who played in the World Cup against England in 1966, and uh, people like Fabio Capello. So suddenly, you know, it was, you know, these were the players you you wanted to sort of play against. And plus, it was an adventure, you know. <laughs> i'd only been at the club um less than three years three years um still young and to go to a place like turin was absolutely fantastic you know just to see the see 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 the the place itself and the way that the the people were my first time ever visit to italy i
0: was going to say like uh, because in a weird way like if you were 21, I don't imagine you'd been abroad that much. No, I hadn't. Um, in fact, my first
1: trip abroad was when I came to Wolves, and I was 19. Um, so it was only two years previously that I'd actually been on a plane for the first time. <laughs> and, uh, now I, and it's different nowadays, but in those days, it was a massive uh, adventure, to, you know, to have something like that, the opportunity to go on a plane. But this was... Um, you know, I was going to countries, you know, which I hadn't even heard of, you know, we were playing in um, Portugal, obviously Holland, East Germany, then Italy. And these were all first time visits to the, to those countries. And I wasn't alone because as I said, we've got people like Kenny Hibbett, John McCall, um, Alan Sunderland in the team who were younger than Kenny and myself and Steve Daly in the squad. So it was, you know, you'd got, uh, you know, an excitement level from that point of view as well. So, uh, you know, just the thought of going and playing against a team like Juventus, it was, it, there was a buzz. As soon as the draw was made, this was what it was all about, European competition, playing against a team like that. So even the senior players, your Derek Dugans, your Mike Bailey's, you know, your Phil Parks, they were they were equally as sort of excited because, you know, that's how, they measure themselves by playing at that level. You know, you've got to bear in mind those people I just mentioned were, you know, international players themselves. But, you know, they wanted to sort of pit themselves against the best. And this was, this was one of the best teams in Europe at the time. So it was uh, exciting just from that point of view. And I think it, the fans felt it as well. You know, this was, a, this was a true test for us as a team.
0: Would there have been many Wolves fans there, John?
1: Yes, yeah. Um, I couldn't tell you how many, Mike, that long ago. But yeah, you know, there were plenty of Wolves fans who had made the trip over there. Um, And in fact, we had we had one special fan who was a a fan for the trip. And that was a a gentleman called John Charles. And that was a bit of a bit of a masterstroke, really, by Bill McGarry, because John Charles... um, well, the great John Charles, who'd who'd played for Leeds and then transferred to Juventus and was their top scorer for about five seasons. Um, And that was, I think he finished there in about 1962. So everybody knew him in, you know, in England. And we've certainly knew him, the the, the players in the Wolves team. And in Turin and Juventus, the, the club, they loved him. I loved him to bits and I can remember him being introduced onto the pitch before the game and the crowd went wild. You know, (laughs) there was more noise for him than there was for the team. Absolutely fantastic. And really him being with us, you know, chatting to him before the game in the dressing room. You know, he, he he was talking to us about you know what to expect out there, and uh, you know it really helped us a great deal. Um,
0: Didn't he take you guys on a shopping trip? at He
1: certainly did. and oh, <laughs> What a bonus that was! Yeah, I'm taking him into into it, because obviously in those days you, you never saw the sort of clothing in the UK that you got in Italy. The shoes were absolutely. Oh, you know, either got black or brown in England they were absolutely stunning these the shoes in, in the shops there and going in with, with John Charles you know all the shopkeepers were calling him carlo um and you know welcoming him and got us a great discount oh <laughs> fantastic and you know it was worth it just for that the, the discount we got you know got the shoes I think there was something like 25 30% off so he was uh, you know, it, it was a great help to us. But you know, you you remember those sort of things. But it was more to do with the, um, you know, the feeling in the in the dressing room and him saying, you know, you're gonna go. It's gonna be hard. You know, they're gonna hit you. You know, it's in in those days that the Italians were renowned for being uncompromising. Yeah. And they certainly were. You know, they got they got stuck into us. Um And I think in one occasion, and this might be something you might need to take up with the. With Phil Parks himself, Mikey, is that um, there was a little bit of a argy bargy with uh, when he and Capello.
0: Yeah, didn't they Didn't wasn't there was some spitting involved?
1: Yeah, something? something like that. But I think you know, you know, you don't you don't mess about with Lofty, even if you are Fabio Capello. So, uh, and as you you know, he's obviously not forgotten it, has he, <laughs> Lofty? Lofty. So uh, I don't think they've met since, but. Um, I wouldn't want. To, well, I would like to be there if they if they did because uh, I think it, it'd want to sort of uh, remind Mister Capello of of what happened. But no, it was tough. It was a really tough game, and uh, we knew that was going to be it. Um, but interestingly, we had um, Danny Hegan in our team. Yeah. Mike Bailey, you know, um, wasn't in the in the team at the time. I can't remember what it was whether Mike was injured. But Danny was in, in the midfield alongside Kenny, Kenny Hibbert and Jim McCalliog. Yeah. and I've got the team
0: here for you. Parks, Shaw, Taylor, Hegan, Monroe, McCall, McCalliog, Hibbert, Richards, Dugan, Wagstaff.
1: That's right. Yeah, good. And Danny was Northern Ireland international. Great player. Come to us from West Brom. Had been a little bit... In and out from a, a playing point of view, but you know, in training, he was he was superb, got as much skill as anyone had, had ever seen, but didn't always do it on the on the pitch. But he did that day, and I think that was the what happened. That midfield of uh, Hibbert, Hegan, and McCalliog you know, really sort of um, outdid the, um, the Juventus, and obviously again, Danny was up against Helmut Haller. And he, he came into the dressing room afterwards. Danny did, and he went up. Oh. He started looking in his in his shorts pocket. He says, "Oh, there, you are helmet." So he's it it got him in his pocket. You see. So after the game, can, can, yeah, how are you doing in there, helmet? He kept saying. So uh, it was. He was. He was a star that day, without a doubt. Um, and that period that Danny had in that in those UEFA Cup matches, you know were probably his best performances ever as a a Wolves player. Um, It's interesting
0: you mentioned no Mike Bailey, because looking at it, I just noticed no Derek Parkin either for that away leg.
1: No, I think... I'm trying to think... and I'm not not sure whether Derek was back then. uh, Whether that was the period when Derek was having problems with his heart. He he had a suspected hole in his heart. Because he plays
0: in the second leg.
1: Did he? Was he back for the second leg? Yeah. Right. Um... I'll, I'd have to have a look at that from a timing point of view because um, it could be could have been that he was just injured because he would definitely have, would have been in because um, you know it was normally Bernard on the right Bernard Shaw uh, sorry and Derek on the left in in as the two full-backs in those days so it could have been that Derek was uh, injured
0: and from a perspective on the game itself the... yeah. Um, I, I think you've told me before that John Charles said to you, if you get a draw, they won't turn up for the second. There probably was some
1: truth in that, Mikey, with the uh, you know with John Charles giving us that advice and saying if they you know if we got a a result, i.e. a draw, even a nil nil, you know that they uh, would probably be all right to get through in the second leg because they would they'd probably send a weaker team because they were focusing on the uh, Italian league at the time so that gave us a little bit of food for thought because obviously we were 1-0 down at half time Um, and then Jimmy McCalliog scored midway through and yeah we were up against it and I think during that period that was when Phil Parks had his clash with Capello so you know we were definitely under the cosh a bit but you know John's words definitely helped us out because we we knew full well especially getting an uh, an away goal that uh, you know it would give us a great chance, and John was spot on. For the second leg, they didn't sell their full team. They had a strong team, there's no doubt about it. But um, um, I, you know they still got people like Helmut Hallen in the team. But I think they'd left two or three of their key players out because they were focusing on the um, on the Italian
0: league. The thing that fascinates me about this selection is that you actually score in the first leg of the semi-final away at Ferenc Barosh And out of all the games that you could have picked, you picked a game that you didn't score in. No, well, you
1: know, it, 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 you were asking about memorable games and not always, you know, just scoring a goal is a bit too obvious, isn't it? Because
0: uh... <laughs> you scored so many.
1: Well, yes, yes, and no. You know, I could have picked a game where I'd scored a hat trick, and those were memorable. Yeah, there were six of them. You didn't pick any of them. But to me, it was this, this was the game that, you know, fired me up, you know, as a, you know, from an international point of view. And suddenly you were competing against players of an international standard, as, you know, at the top level. And, you know, it was was probably more the uh, response of the players like Derek Dugan, Bailey, Jim McCalliog, people like that. And suddenly you're going, this is it. You know, this is, you know, this is the level that you want to be playing at. Obviously, you were playing in the first division at the time. But, you know, to come up against, you know, World Cup players and the quality of a team like Juventus, that was, you know, at that high level and playing in Europe. So it, it was, it just took it to that extra level, Mikey, from, um, from a player point of view and personal sort of uh, performance point of view is, is, is how you want to measure yourself. And against players like that, and we performed well and we beat them again in the second leg, um, you know, you, you, you take that away with you and think, well, you know, you know, we can and we are good enough
0: to be playing at this level. Because it's the thing of, I guess it's almost impossible question to answer. But it almost seems as if you're kind of saying that you became the player you did from kind of a lot down to this one game, really. Yes,
1: uh, and it it suddenly kicked on. You know, I was I was the um, I scored a lot of goals that season. I was actually um, selected for the England um, under twenty three squad at the end of that season. And I think the performances in Europe helped me, you know, get that sort of selection. There's no doubt about it, um, you know, as a 21-year-old playing in the England under-23s. So it was it was a sort of a key year for me, a key, key season. And, you know, it was a key match that actually elevated me as a player, not just in the team, but in the... Uh, in the country, in England,
0: I guess it—it's that thing of you guys got to the final that year. The, perhaps the one disappointment. <laughs> I can—I can tell from the tone of your voice that just changed. It, it, yeah. It's not a good subject to bring up.
1: No, because it was—it was just a total anticlimax, and you know we'd beaten um, say Ferrer Varus in the in the. Um, in the in the semi-finals we've got to final who we're we going to meet and you, you think oh spurs just like another league game no travelling none of the atmosphere none of the pre-match excitement that you had of playing um, a foreign team so suddenly it was well it's just another couple more domestic games under the umbrella of being the UEFA cup final um and it it just i think it lost its sort of gloss from that point of view for all of us to be perfectly honest and i know it did from the spurs side you know because i know some of the spurs players and they said exactly the same and i think you know the first all english european final was uh, a bit of a damp squib for all the players you know more so for us because we we lost um Lost it on the you know over the two legs, so um, you know I would never put the, an appearance in the UEFA Cup finalists top of my list of memorable games, and for that reason
0: Well, it's one of those, isn't it where hopefully things start to get a little bit more back to normal, and this year's UEFA Cup Europa League adventure continues, and, and maybe they can go one step further than you guys did. Well, I,
1: I, I think they could. They've got. I think they're good enough to do it, Mikey, without a doubt. And I think that's been a, a major disappointment of the lockdown is that it's they've probably lost, you know, some of that impetus. You know, there's a lot of excitement from the Wolves fans with the European games, and from the players as well because you know, similar to myself, they like to measure themselves against top players, and playing in Europe gives you that opportunity. So I saw the UEFA Cup cup as or the Europa cup as the opportunity for Wolves to you know this team to win something so I hope they do and I hope they come back soon
0: thanks for listening to the old goal club powered by Blythe group if you liked what you heard please leave us a review and rating from wherever you get your podcasts Wolves TV the home of live uninterrupted radio commentary of every single Wolves game But that's not all. Wolves TV also brings you extended and alternative match highlights, interviews with the team, behind-the-scenes features and training coverage, plus see every goal Wolves score from every angle. So check out Wolves TV online at wolves.co.uk or on the move via the Wolves app.